Hello, everyone. I'm Paige Smith with After School, a podcast project from Simon Fraser University's Faculty of Communication, Art, and Technology. After School showcases FCAT alumni in traditional and unconventional career paths across communications, interactive art and technology, contemporary arts, publishing, and digital media. We would like to respectfully acknowledge the Musqueam, Squamish, Tsleil-Waututh, Katsi, Coquitlam, Kakat, Kwantlen, Semiama, and Tawasin peoples whose unceded traditional territories our three campuses reside. In today's episode of After School, our student host, Amena Salman, from SFU's School of Interactive Art and Technology, is joined by alumna Sofia Bautista. They discuss Sofia's work as a product manager and how she was able to combine her passion for design with business and technology. I hope you enjoy the episode. Coming from a design design training really helps you figure out what it takes to uh, fully flesh out a project or a product in general. Um, and when you know designers and developers are busy building the thing, someone has to think about what to build. Here we have Sophia Bautista. Sophia is a graduate of Seattle, of course, and is currently the head of product at Legible. And we'll be kind of talking more about her experience, uh, kind of graduating from Seattle and coming into more of an unconventional path that um, most Seattle students might not take. Um, but without further ado, I'll let her better introduce herself. So go ahead, Sophia. Yeah, uh, yes. Uh, hi, I'm Sophia, and yeah, my pronouns are she, her, and uh, I graduated from Seattle in October of last year. Um, I did not finish the degree for years, just a disclaimer. Um, it took me five years, and uh, I worked at least three out of the five years uh, in co-op, um, getting to where I am today, which is um, I started out as a designer, and then I realized that uh, I loved talking to stakeholders more, doing those custom, like interviews that uh, we we get taught in third year, and uh, love love that part, and you know found my way to product management. Awesome. So kind of like getting into we're gonna go real way back into kind of high school and when you were kind of finding Seattle, like what was that? Like what were you, what did you know about Seattle? Is this like what you wanted to do? Yeah, funny story. So I had a very convoluted path to Seattle. So um, I applied, so I, I wanted to become an engineer in high school and just wanted to just get into like a very like STEM oriented field. I came from an Asian household. Yeah. Um, you had to be a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer. So I chose the engineer path. Mm -hmm. And then I did not do so well in my physics and calculus courses. So I was thinking, okay, uh, I actually just want to work in technology. So I heard that 
majority of the technology field consisted of programmers or software mm -hmm. developers. So I actually applied to SFU uh, to the computer science program. And then my second choice was cognitive science. Oh, okay. uh, yeah, because it had that psychology component to it. And my mom was a psychology graduate. So she thought, you know, if you're not sure, um, just combine two, two of your favorite things. So like, okay, so I did my first year of computer science at SFU. Um, I love my programming courses, but again, I did not do so hot in calculus. So uh, at the end of my first year, you know, summer of 20, 2015, I was like, okay, um, what should be my next step? So I took half CET courses, I think it was 102 and uh, 100, and uh, the other half criminology, because I, mm -hmm. I, I wanted to see like that lawyer path that my mom was like, you know, uh, had maybe. that option. Maybe, yeah. maybe, yeah. And obviously, I, I fell in love with the, the introductory 100 courses, and then, you know, that it, it you know, stem from there. But then I also wanted to add in my my love for just communicating. And, um, you know, I, I love the idea of like, listening to people and seeing how kind of they the stories that they tell. So I added a joint major in communications on top of my my CF major. Wow. And yeah, the rest was history. Okay, wow. So you like took many paths and like tried everything out in your routine. <laughs> Kind of came yeah. concluded at Seattle. That's really cool. That's right. Yeah, and so it was a double. It was a minor or a major in communication. It was the joint major oh, joint. program. Yep, and I did the bachelor's of science in Seattle. Wow, wow, you're so cool. You like tried everything. I love that. Um, yep. Yeah, I mean, like university is all about trying, like kind of dipping your toes into different waters and like figuring out what it is for you. That's so like right. now that you're in Seattle. Uh, what was your experience like? So you mentioned that you did three co-ops and what kind of co-ops were you doing? Like what, what were you kind of like thinking about while you were in Seattle about like potential career paths and things like that? Right. So um, I, I remember vividly that, you know, Stephanie, you know, our co-op advisor, yeah. um, like would talk to first years and say, apply to co-op as early as you can. And that was, you know, second year. Mm -hmm. So I got my first year stuff out of the way. I took two, three, five. I thought that was very critical uh, to take before I, you know, go out into co-op because majority of the roles that I wanted to apply for was something along the lines of uh, either design or front-end web development. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I think I applied to like RBC, all the banks, Canadian Tire, and then I took a chance at applying for a company here in Richmond, uh, Evidence Point Software, which is now part of PressReader. And uh, I heard a lot about Evidence Point through uh, my TA for 235, which is, okay. I think, Veronica Wu. Uh, yeah. yeah. So uh, she was a previous design co-op from Evan and Point, and now she's at LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, and she, like, before I applied, I asked her, like, oh, what was your kind of experience? Uh, we met up for, I think, 
it was bubble tea or coffee. I don't remember. Uh, and she kind of get, like gave me the lowdown, like, oh, it's an amazing experience. It's a really good like springboard if you haven't done co-op before, if you want to, you know, apply to like bigger companies after or, you know, after graduation. So I'm like, okay, uh, I'll apply. And then I did the interview and, you know, I, I got I got the co-op job. But I didn't realize was I ended up staying there for three co-op terms. Uh-huh. Uh, and then I ended up working there for the rest of my degree um, as a program manager. So those three co-op terms, I was uh, mainly a UX designer developer, um, but then I stayed there long enough where they wanted me to kind of go into a uh, managerial position. So I started out uh, hiring uh, other UX co-ops mm-hmm. and kind of starting up a design team there. And then eventually I expanded on not just, you know, leading design teams, but also leading um, uh, a product launch. Uh, I think it was at the time I, I tackled Textbook Hub. It was, okay. uh, the, it was the, um, the partner that we had in the U.S. for K-12 um, schools, uh, e-textbooks. Uh, working with publishers and working with developers, getting the product out there. So yeah, and then I eventually, after I graduated, I wanted some something new to tackle. So I went on to Legible as a product manager and now as head of product. Oh, okay. So yeah. I'm, I'm going to assume that like your experience at um, your co-op at Evident was like the turning point of like, hmm, this is maybe design like, the actual design work isn't the thing, but maybe more of a managerial role. So like, what was that kind of like? Because obviously you're still in school at this point when you're co-op terms, still learning about design and all of that. So where did that kind of change come from? And like, it it obviously like led into it, but you're not doing something that's related to kind of what your degree is, right? Like ended up with. Yeah, um, there was definitely a point where I would think I was in fourth or fifth year when I started to realize that not a lot of the stuff I was learning anymore was directly applying to what I was doing every day uh, when I would go to work. But I still saw the value of knowing about how kind of the, you know, the, how important design was in the software development life cycle and the, and the product life cycle in general. So that's how I kind of still got into the zone of like, okay, yet is still important. The courses I'm still taking is still very important. Um, and I think in terms of the courses I took, um, I definitely saw the collecting the requirements, the project criteria. I think a lot of our third and fourth year classes really emphasize the idea of planning at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. So. I know the programming classes, they always say, you know, what are your milestones? What deliverables do you want to um, submit during these milestones? And I really enjoyed that part. And it kind of, you know, that kind of clicked where that is the everyday job of a product manager. And it made sense why I like that more than the actual project work itself. Brushed briefly on it with like organizational structure of the milestones of it. But can you kind of explain what an average day looks like for you as a project, like head of product? Manager. So uh, a lot of uh, product management, there's a there's a common diagram that I see that pops up every once in a while on LinkedIn and on, on tech Twitter, and it's this 
like triple Venn diagram of UX, business, and technology. And then the intersection of, of it is that's where the product management um, kind of sphere lies, is that you're kind of the glue between the, the, those three different subject areas. And you have to be knowledgeable in all, all three in order to become a product manager. So uh, yeah, that, that would be kind of the, the knowledge going in um, like every day that you're required to have. But majority of the day is just meetings. You're, uh, it's oftentimes nine to five. Um, even before I was like head of product leading, you know, other designers, other product managers, as a product manager myself, nine to five, it was just back-to-back -back meetings, except like one hour between 12 to one for lunch. Um, because oftentimes you're just connecting two teams, two people together and trying to facilitate um, conversation or requirements gathering or discovery or an interview um, and this would be either like a like it'll extend from like a 30 minute you know catch-up session to like a three-hour uh, discovery workshop with stakeholders so mm -hmm. yeah it's just variations of those every day and then mm -hmm. typical um, project methodology, whether you know your agile company or a waterfall company, you have certain ceremonies that you have to follow um, to just keep keep the project going. So, you know, majority of software companies are, are agile. So oftentimes the product managers are responsible to, to be the scrum masters as well. So daily stand-ups in the morning with the development team, the design teams. Um, if, if a sprint is starting, you have to do sprint planning, backlog grooming, and then at the end of the sprint, you have to do um, you have to do retrospectives and then planning for the next sprint all over again. So um, that's really just you know my everyday as a product manager. Someone as a fellow organization nerd, like it just like makes me like all excited um, to hear about all the things I'm doing. For students, because you obviously didn't end up in that conventional like SEAT path, become a designer, become like an animation media artist type of thing. Uh, what would you advice would you give to students who kind of aren't following that con unconventional path? Because uh, there's always like this kind of stress and when you're job searching and everything, it's like, I'm not doing anything related to my degree. Like, what's right. the point of like all of, like the past four or five years that I've spent like Mm -hmm. what advice would you give to a student kind of in that position right now where they're kind of maybe like they're applying for jobs that aren't part of their degree or like they're like kind of like having those thoughts like maybe I should do this I would say to try to explore other extracurricular activities while you're at SFU as much as you can mm -hmm. I mean although I didn't really get a chance to do that because I was just absorbing myself in, in, in work. Um, I know, like, I regret not taking part into, like, case competitions, um, hackathons, and, and all of that, where I really, like, I, I volunteer at those, those events now mm -hmm. as kind of a, of a mentor, but uh, as a participant, I, I witnessed that it really shows uh, what different skill sets can come out of, like, a student. And sometimes it really clicks there where 
you know, there's just some people that are really good at design and, and pixel pushing. And there are some developers who are who really understand the ins and outs of JavaScript or Ruby. And then there's the, you know, the remaining um, person. Mm-hmm. And that's really that that person that should set step up to to become that you know product manager or business analyst or researcher, um, and coming from a design tr- design training really helps you figure out what it takes to uh, fully flesh out a project or a product in general. Um, and when you know designers and developers are busy building the thing someone has to think about what to build right. and like a designer and developer um in like in in a professional environment can't do both mm-hmm. and that's why there's that particular um business oriented person but there is a lack in which is why I want to speak about this today there is a lack of product managers who who have that design training um, oftentimes product managers uh, at least the ones that I've been hiring come from a marketing or business background okay. and it's been a difficulty trying to get them up to speed to understand like design, the design process is an iterative cyclical process. It requires a lot of dialogue. Um, there's a lot of work involved to just produce mock-ups. It isn't something fast like like developers ha- like can whip up. Um, it, it takes time yeah. and it's it's been difficult trying to kind of like see eye to eye with the the classic classical training that product managers have in business where they're all just thinking about the hypotheticals but don't really have an understanding okay this is what a designer does every day so yeah i think it's definitely important for um i think ciet has an opportunity there with what they teach to just go out into the world and be able to apply what we've learned to no matter the field. Yeah, no, I definitely like see that um, in my conversations with other students. I remember during co-op, we would have like those meetings and uh, a lot of the students would talk about is like, it's a lot of me just trying to explain as a designer what I'm doing to like the project, like the managers and things like that, because they don't recognize. And like, they tend to have to lead workshops to like show like, this is like a very slow process. Like it's a very insightful process and it takes time. So mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. I think that you're very correct. Like it's, it's really nice to have project managers who understand like the developing side and the designing side. So yeah, I think that's really cool. And I'm glad that you talked about it because it's so important. Like once you get into the job field, you like recognize it and you're like, oh my gosh, they're not understanding what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so kind of like, talking about more of your career path like so you've kind of evolved into this project manager role and you're obviously very young you still have like a whole career ahead of you um so what's kind of like your future stepping stones like where do you want to see this like role or kind of career for you develop into right so right after I graduated last year um I was kind of in like a in like a limbo state where um, should I just keep working at product management and learn on the field, 
or uh, should I pursue some further learning? Should I send a boot camp or something? Um, so what I ended up doing is I ended up um, applying to a business school to get my master's in management to kind of be able to supply my street knowledge about product management uh, with more theoretical understanding because like like Seat, although you know I think there's that business entrepreneurship program that uh, that started up the certificate. Uh, I wasn't in that, so I didn't really get the foundational business concepts. Um, so, you know, that that was my next step. I'm still in that step today. I'm still trying to complete that master's. Um, and then after that, I think that would kind of open up um, more opportunities for senior leadership, senior directorship in leading other product teams. Um, I mean, I, I love working at Legible. Um, and I see myself, you know, working there for as long as I can, but there's also kind of a limit, um, I think, uh, at our company where we're trying to um, only have 140 employees uh, as we grow because it's a startup. Yeah. Um, we don't want to be that, you know, super mega corp with like five locations across the world with like 300 employees each. Right. So um, I definitely want to be in that role, like, you know, seeing how many departments can I have under uh, my grasp, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, it may seem like a lot of responsibility going out of like two years out of school, three years out of right. school. Um, but it's just, I've, I've, I was talking earlier with um, our, our HR person earlier, and I've kind of realized that it's okay for me to kind of stay stagnant in my skills as a designer, my skills as a front-end developer, and be able to foster the growth of other designers, other developers, other product managers. Um, and I can uh, sit back and make sure that that happens and also tackle problems that they shouldn't have to deal with. Right. Yeah, I think that's like a real, like, kind of the idea of like staying stagnant in the skills that you've been learning and like, kind of growing other people's skills while not growing yours. It's like a, it feels like kind of like you're like neglecting yourself, but you're kind of growing in a different direction. And I I, right. I think that's really, really cool of you to kind of um, like help foster other people's direction, you know, and like while you grow into a different one. This is kind of like going back into your Seattle career, um, your time in uh, university and your undergrad where and I think it kind of relates to you now where you were working like part-time, almost like full-time while managing like school and your degree. And I think you're still doing that as you're taking, as you mentioned, you're taking your master's. So like, mm -hmm. um, I just want to know, like, how do you manage so much? Cause you're doing like full-time work and full-time school. And that's a lot. Um, how do you like find that balance between the both? Cause I know a lot of students might be in that position as well. Right. So, uh, I mean, it, it, for me, it started out in high school where I was trying to raise money for SFU. Mm -hmm. And so I was like completing my high school courses and also working at the same time. It was, you know, any high school job, it was customer service retail. Yeah. Um, and I kind of laid down the foundations of kind of the the, the work-life balance to be able to, yeah, do okay in school. I wasn't the best student both in high school and in, in Seattle, 
but also be able to have the energy to to work and you know earn money. So one thing is uh, having a good delineation um, between you know when does work start and begin, and when does uh, studying uh, stop and begin as well. So um, with shift work. Uh, which is, you know, sometimes it goes into university, you have a set number of hours where you're expected at work and you should only think about work then. I know it's hard to kind of think about, okay, I have a test tomorrow. Um, I I can kind of remember the the note cards that I wrote down and like try to like do the memorization. Um, But that only just kind of mentally tires you out so you should just be focusing on work during those hours Um, and then when you get home make sure that you take advantage of that limbo state of kind of resting you know grab a drink um, you know have a snack Uh, make sure that your body feels nourished after like the work day um, catch up with your family your pets whatever and then once you kind of feel satisfied with that then you kind of go into your studying mode. You kind of close the door. You, um, I, I would like, like block all the social media sites. Um, I would put on a good studying playlist and just like, you know, I would write out all my notes um, until I was like kind of tired. Obviously I would welcome distractions. Like I, I would get like messages from friends, um, like texts and whatnot. Like, hey, can you like, come over this week or whatever um and I don't totally block that out I entertain them and then you know once that's settled now that I I don't have to procrastinate reaching out to that person after I'm uh, after I'm finished studying so um you know once I feel satisfied okay I I've you know finished these mocks I've uh gone through these terms um you kind of make sure that you've you've done something. It doesn't matter what you completed. As long as you completed something, that's what matters. I know there's like this whole idea about like set a goal for yourself and whatnot, but I think it it makes this unhealthy idea of like, what if you did not complete your goal that day, like of completing this thing? And it just makes you feel really shitty about yourself. Yeah. So... Um, I really just love the idea of just completing something and then, you know, you go back to sleep and then you do it all over again. Yeah. Um, now the, the one thing about, you know, not thinking about school during work, I'm definitely guilty of thinking about work while I was at school. Mm. So, um, there would be lots of times during, you know, a lecture, uh, that I would be like on Slack, like just messaging my coworkers because, you know, I'm, I'm at school during work hours, so uh, I'd be answering questions, I'd be sending out like emails and, you know, documents, and then all of a sudden it's like a breakout activity, and I'm like, oh no, I wasn't listening, (laughs) Um, and uh, I mean, I I would catch up because I, you know, just, just prepare that the readings, make sure you do them, and then that way you kind of can tune out during the lectures, but um that's one thing I wanted to talk about is like if you ever had that person in your group project like it seemed like they weren't listening or doing anything just to be mindful and understanding that you know they might have had a 
like shitty amount of sleep last night or yeah. they were they're working a job like half the time they're at a school so um just to be understanding of your classmates because again you're all in it together you're probably going to be graded together so just yeah to be mindful of that um that we're balancing Definitely. these things mm-hmm. yeah and I think that's so true like we end up like having overlapping like everything all the responsibilities on top of each other especially with like being so easily accessible by work or like by student or like group projects and things like you can get so distracted so easily so I mean like like making sure that you like compartmentalize like each aspect of your life um and kind of keep it separate just so it doesn't model through and I, I definitely agree with you like especially as a CS student like making sure that you're like your group's well-being comes first and making sure that you're that more understanding and like of what's happening with every member rather than just like jumping to conclusions and assumptions because that's definitely going to make your group just work and flow a thousand times better yep uh one thing i always like to talk about is time to reminisce reminisce on your time at sia um what is your most favorite uh slash like standout memory when you think about your time at sia I would say it might seem cliche, but I think it's also the, the quintessential Seat experience is um, if you've ever stayed late hours at the studios. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was our interaction design class. We took it with Will uh, Odom um, and my group uh, was just, we really loved the client that we chose. It was mm-hmm. the Surrey Art Gallery. And we just wanted to make sure that, you know, the the insights that we gathered from the, um, I think the, the, either the curator of the foundation at the time, um, really kind of sh- like spoke through our presentation, our prototypes and everything, and that what we were building was exactly what they wanted. Um, so, we spent like a, a, until like 4 a.m. at the, in one of the studios uh, one night, and this was like the night before the final presentation. And we were we, we knew we were like not productive, but we were we managed to like get out what we needed to submit, um, and we were satisfied with what we were doing, and. Uh, we, you know, we, we kind of closed our laptops. We kind of headed out. It was like winter time. So it was freezing mm-hmm. outside. And um, the fact that we had to be on campus like two hours later <laughs> was like lingering in our minds. Um, but at least we felt very accomplished and we didn't put anything off. We didn't leave anything out. Um, and, you know, I think we did a good job presenting. Um, we, we got an okay grade. Uh, but what mattered to us is the fact that, you know, our client was actually happy with, with what we produced. And, um, yeah, that was that was my favorite memory. Of yeah. I usually like to end our conversations with a little fun, quirky question. Okay, <laughs> um, sure. So my last little question is, what is, like, a kid's movie that completely scarred you, that has, like, traumatized you to this day? For me, it's like, I don't know if you know the the book Ronald Dahl, The Witches. They mm-hmm. made a movie version of it, and it has, like, the real 90s, like, graphics, and there's a scene where all the witches gather. She, like, takes off her mask, and I, like, 
oh my god that traumatizes me to this day wherever I see like this is so weird, a group of like women at like a conference I just get like flashbacks to that scene uh it's bad it's like I probably should not be afraid of it as much as I am so what is it for you uh for me uh it was any of the insect related movies so uh a bug's life uh the bee movie um, as as a kid, because it it just personifies insects, and um, coming from a tropical country, uh, we we love to like just swat like insects and like you know kill them. Um, but that gave insects like a life and a soul as yeah. me as a kid. So then whenever my dad would like you know kill a spider, kill yeah. like a cockroach, I'd be like, you know that that insect probably had a soul, and you know yeah. he just died. Um, and so I could, I could never really watch those movies since, because otherwise it would be hard to, like, separate my, mm. my, you know, my perspective. He has a wife out there, you know what I mean? He yeah. It's like, what, what am I supposed to know? <laughs> That's right. Like, he prob- they probably have, like, friends. They have a colony. Yeah. Uh, like, and then you're, you know, you're, you know, executing some worker, part of that colony, just because it's it's like a nuisance to you. Yeah, that poor so. that poor insect is a slave to its own insect capitalism, and you're just hurting. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed the episode, please let us know by following us on Spotify or reaching out to us on our Instagram at SFU. Other than that, we'll catch you in the studio next time. After School is a podcast project from Simon Fraser University's Faculty of Communication, Art, and Technology. This has been our conversation with Sofia Bautista, hosted by Amena Salman. The After School podcast is created by Tessa Arsenault, Emma Keeler-Duga, Stacey Coplin, myself, Paige Smith, and each of our student hosts. You can learn more about SFU's Faculty of Communication, Art, and Technology at our website, sfu.ca slash fcat. And you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn with our handle fcat at sfu. That's fcat at sfu. You can learn more about SFU School of Interactive Art and Technology at sfu.ca slash siat. And you can follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at SIATSFU. Next time on After School, we'll be hosting a conversation with Mars Balasakin, a producer and game designer with 20 years of experience, who just recently graduated from our Education Consortium Collaboration Program, Master of Digital Media at the Center for Digital Media. Make sure you subscribe to After School on your podcasting app of choice so you don't miss this great conversation. See you next time.